0: He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The word of the Lord. You know, I'm not only a pastor, I'm also a physician. That is an outright lie. Nonetheless, I'd like to think that I want to care for you not only spiritually but physically. And I I have some concern about the vision that you have. There's some vision problems. I see a lot of glasses. And so as part of my sermon, uh, as is going on around the world, that's another lie, we're going to go ahead and do a vision test. So, we're going to take, uh, I've just asked one one person to come through for a vision test. So, let's bring up Henry Steenson. Henry Steenson, come on up here. Okay, Henry Steenson, we're going to see how your eyes are, buddy, okay? So, I want you to stand right back there. You see that silver piece of tape? Okay, this is the Snellen eye test, okay? Not only am I a doctor, I am an optometrist. So, I'm going to go ahead. Now, our lighting is very poor, so I'm going to give just a little bit of a benefit here. Well, that's not going to do anything. Okay, I want you to read the top line, Henry. Well done, well done. What is the next line? I like how he's getting just a little bit of a lean. You know, it's like just a little bit more. Okay, Henry, what is the third line? Once again, Henry, tremendous. What is the fourth line? N O I H W. Did your mother give you the answers to this? Jean? Jeez. All right, uh, line five <laughs> uh, <L-J. laughs> L or J. Keep going. <laughs> J. Uh, close enough, close enough. And the last line. Uh, yeah, the last on the bottom. Come on. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's give Henry a hand. Yeah. The, the last line actually says, this sermon is going to go really long. So glad you can't read that you know it's hard to see things the further they get away isn't it we have in the beginning okay I can get this one and this one and this one but it gets smaller and smaller and smaller you have to get closer and closer you know it seems to me that this world is kind of like that it's hard to see things that are far away there's so much going around in our world right now how do we bring it into focus How do we understand everything that's going on? It seems like life used to be much more simple, doesn't it? It's hard to see things that are far away. It's true in politics. It's true in business. It's also true with God. For many of us, it's hard to see God because He seems so far away. Here we are, right here, and yet He's up there in the heavens somewhere. Where I don't exactly know, but I'd love to see him, but he seems so far away. Maybe even worse, I don't know. It feels like it's very hard for God to see me. I feel very small in God's eyes. Maybe he's overlooking me. He can't really see me, and so there is this sort of pain in our relationship with God that we can't see him, and we don't think he will see us. And so there is an estrangement Well, something has happened with this girl, this teenage girl named Mary. Mary seems to have found God. Or I should say better, God seems to have found Mary. He has come near. Right to Mary. And Mary's response, which is beautiful, says, I am small, but He has made me great. He has magnified me, and so I will magnify Him. And so Mary praises in this beautiful song called the Magnificat. Mary gives us hope that God is not far. More importantly, that God wants to come near, to see us, to be known by us, to be in relationship. That God actually has a plan for each one of you and me, just like she had with Mary. And you see, when we understand God's plan for us and how we are to respond, the world and our lives all of a sudden come into focus. This story of Mary is quite simple. The first point is this, God makes the small big. If you're small, there's good news for you. God makes the small big. However, number two, in order to become big, you must become small. I'll say it again, God makes the small big, but in order to become big, you must, you must become small. And finally, number three, Jesus is the means by which the small becomes big. You know, we are all made to magnify something. And when we choose to magnify the Lord, life will all of a sudden come into focus. Well, let's recap a little bit. God makes the small big. Mary has heard this story. She, excuse me, she's come to Elizabeth and confirmed what uh, the angel said, and she's amazed. And so Mary responds with a song. And Mary said, verse 6, 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You know, one of the greatest statements ever uh, penned by man regarding Christianity is the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Where did we actually get that? We got it from Mary. This first sentence, statement right here. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That came from a teenage girl. That which we recite all of the time. This word magnify is a very interesting one. In the Greek, um, it actually is the root word for a host of words we use. Magnificent, magnify, majesty. They all come from this word magnify. And so Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Makes Him bigger. Shows His majesty. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice she doesn't say my words do this, but rather my spirit and my soul. These words are used interchangeably in the Bible. What they mean is the deepest part of my heart is moved in such a way. This isn't something that's happening in the outward of Mary. It's something that's coming and emanating from the very core of her being. Her innermost being is worshiping. But why, Mary? Why is it that your soul is magnifying? Verse 48, "...for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant." Humble estate. We may use that word sometimes. This word humble actually comes from the word humiliation. Mary is saying, God has looked at my humble estate, meaning my estate of life, my station in life. Though I'm a young teenager, I'm a nobody. I have no money. I have no status. I have no popularity, I have no possessions. And yet God has looked upon my humble estate." This He has looked doesn't simply mean He just sort of glanced and looked. See, one of the things about royalty is royalty particularly in that day, but even in the past, they don't look at common people, right? They're looking, they only look at their peers. Why? Because common people are beneath them. But this God of the universe has looked, has brought his eyes down on this simple girl of humble estate. He has seen her. For he who is mighty has done great, thi- excuse me, great things for me, and holy is his name. This mighty one, this great one, he has looked down upon me in my humble state, and he has choos- chosen to do great things for me. Not he will do, not even he is doing, but he has done. For in me is the life of God, the son of all who has become flesh. He's done great things for me. He has given me a child, the child of God. If she is to give birth to the king of kings, what does that make her? She's the queen of queens, isn't she? You know, uh, who's the one right now? I always ask my wife this question. Kate, isn't it Kate Middleton? Kate, really, what's her goal? She's big time right now, right? Sons, she's giving sons. She's giving heirs. And lo and behold, this little uh, young lady gives birth to the King of Kings. He surely has done great things for me. Not only for the world, but for me. And holy is his name. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. What you have done for me, God, Mary says, is something that will reverberate throughout history. Going on and on and on. For all generations will call me blessed. And lo and behold, are we not here 2,000 years later, reflecting on this one that God chose and gave to such an exalted position? And so Mary shows one of the fundamental laws of nature, cause and effect. What God has done for me is causing me to do something, and I will magnify Him. So I will magnify Him and rejoice in Him. You know, the truth of the matter, my friends, is we were all made to magnify. We're like giant magnifying glasses. We don't have contentment simply in ourselves. We are a searching entity. We were made for something else. That's why we're on this pursuit of something whatever it is. We were made to magnify something. Now you know you have a gift that nobody else has. Now you may say to me, Carlos, what is that? I'm a great uh, uh, checkers player. I know that Bob Knuth is a fantastic checkers player, but no! There are other great checkers players, aren't they? Maybe you speak multiple languages. There's somebody who speaks more. Maybe you're beautiful. There's somebody more beautiful. Maybe you're powerful. There's someone more powerful. What is it that I can give to magnify God that anyone else could not give? I could get on that piano and play and guess what? Bach puts me to shame. But there is something that I can give. What I can give is my heart. No one else has it. It's the most precious thing in the world, because it is the rarest. We were made to magnify. And so Mary gives the most expensive thing she has, her heart. My soul magnifies you. I give my heart to you. See, true worship is one one gives their heart to God. With all of my being, I rejoice in you, I magnify you. True worship is when one gives their heart to God. Everything else is simply symptoms of that. You know, Mary is speaking and praising, but that's simply an overflow of something that has happened on the inside, right? The song that she sings, the song that we sing, is simply a manifestation of our hearts within. The symptom that she has is worship and satisfaction. Mary has given her heart to God. And the truth of the matter is, God is most magnified when we are most satisfied in Him. When we are satisfied in God and God alone and nothing will do, there is no greater form of worship. You know, all great stories are about the hope of being magnified. You know that? I can, I can name you 50 stories. Here's the quintessential one for men. Are you ready? Star Wars. It's Luke Skywalker, isn't it? He's a nobody, right? He used to be somebody, but he doesn't remember that and so he's marooned on this place where he's asked the question that all men que- ask. Can I be great? Am I great? Am I somebody? And lo and behold, There is something in him that makes him great, right? The force, he will become a great warrior. Here's the quintessential one for women, are you ready? Cinderella. She is, used to be someone great, maybe, but she doesn't know it, she's just a maid, right? She's just a nobody, not even worthy to be counted as one of the women perhaps that the prince might be interested in. If for one day, She says, could I just go to the ball? Not even could I meet the prince, not even, I just want to go to the ball. And lo and behold, what happens? She comes, she enters in her beauty. She's noticed and acknowledged and she's cherished. The deepest desire of our heart is to be noticed. But ultimately not by people, not by society, it's by God. God, do you see me? We were made to magnify. And God is saying in the gospel to women and men, I see you. I love you. I want you. You're valuable. And so the question I have to you today is simply this. To whom shall you give your heart? Yours to give. You can give it to anyone you want. Mary was magnified by God. Well, that was Mary, right? God has done great things for Mary. What has God done for me? Did not God look upon the humble estate of His servant? You and me? Not noble. Not rich, necessarily. Simple people longing for a Savior. Did He not look upon us and magnify us in the Gospel? I will come to you and you are worth so much. You are a prince that I will give my life for you. He has done great things for you and me and holy is His name. So like Mary, remember what He has done. Remember what He has done in your life. Remember what you were before if you are a Christian. And remember who has made you now. And like Mary, cause and effect choose to magnify the one who magnified you. This brings me to my second point. In order to become big you must become small. Notice what Mary says in verse 50. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. This is a principle that applies to the all generations. His mercy, His looking upon, His granting His love, selflessly, is for those who fear Him. That's the critical point, my friends. His mercy is granted to those who fear Him. Because here is the truth. You cannot be magnified by someone who you think is smaller than yourself. You cannot be magnified by someone who you think is smaller than yourself. Verse 51, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. His strength is to scatter the proud. Where? In the thoughts of their hearts. Those who say, I don't need to be magnified. I'm big enough. I don't need a blessing. I don't need mercy. For I am the King. But God says He scatters the proud. You know, the message of the gospel is not an invitation. The message of the Gospel is a summons. Come and give your heart to the one who made you. Come and worship God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And so He scatters the proud, those who say, I need no master. Verse 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Remember the thrones, the ones who see everything beneath them? Well, even God, you know, God is my servant. I have everything I need. I'm, I'm throned above. I'm big dude in this society, right? I've earned it all. I've won the game. I'm mighty on my throne. But God has brought them down. Yet He exalts those of humble estate. The Marys, the Carloses, the Lielans. He has filled the hungry with good things, verse 53, and the rich he has sent away empty. It's not just talking about food, is he? Talking about the hunger of the heart. You know, you can't enjoy food until you're hungry, can you? Those who are empty, who are longing for that which tastes good. God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good to those who hunger after him. Drink and be filled from the living well, but the rich, he is sent away empty. It's not enough, is it, to win the world, yet lose your soul. He sent them away empty. And so what this means is if you want God's mercy, if you want to experience the joy of a God who came to love and magnify you and exalt you, you have to become small. You have to become hungry. You have to become searching. Isn't that what Jesus said? Blessed are those who are hungry, so, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who mourn, for you will rejoice. Those who are longing for a savior will surely find him. Are you small? Or are you big? You know, I love the story of Robin Hood. He's kind of a legend, you know, we don't actually have a, you know, sort of statement about him. He's shown in ballads, you know, different places. And a lot of people have conjectured, who is this Robin Hood? He was called Robin Hood because he was a criminal. You know, we even use that term, right, those hoods? Robin of the Hood, he was a criminal. Some think he was noble, Robin of Locksley. And yet, he was cast down from his position by the evil sheriff of Nottingham. And so Robin became a thief with his merry men of outlaws. And we always hear the, what he did was he stole from the rich and he gave to the poor. I never liked that statement because it's not entirely true. He stole from the rich who were wicked and oppressive. He stole from those who had pushed down other people much like him and gained their status on the backs of others. He stole from them, and he gave to those who were disenfranchised, who had lost, who could not gain because they were in a system where they were subjugated. That's what Robin Hood did. He stole from the wicked rich and gave to the poor. So Robin was not advocating a system of equal income distribution. So if you are a Marxist, you can't use Robin Hood as one of your people. Karl Marx, no problem, okay? The application point is this, how do you become small? Compare yourself, not to the person on your left, not to the person on your right, but to the God who made the universe. Can you sit down across from Him and look Him in the eye and say, I am as great as you? You don't need to sustain me. You don't need to give breath to my life. I am like God. Compare yourself to God and His creation and you will discover that you are quite small. Also evaluate your heart. Where am I getting my satisfaction? Is it simple things all around me? I love C.S. Lewis. He said, we're far too easily pleased. We're like children playing uh, in the dirt in the slums because we have no idea what it looks like to have a holiday at sea. We are too easily satisfied. We take little things and we stuff them in our hearts and we say that are great. But we're not. You can only be satisfied when the one who made you has blessed you. Evaluate your purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Maybe we're chasing things that we're never going to catch. Maybe you've caught them and you wondered, why did I run so hard after this? It gives me no satisfaction. Evaluate your purpose for we were all made to magnify something. And finally, empty your heart. What's got to go? It's time for a little refurbishment, isn't it? I don't know about you, but there's so much in there. But I have to set it aside. I have to make space for a king on a throne inside my heart in which I will put everything below. Because we were all made to magnify something. When you magnify the Lord, all of a sudden, life comes into focus. Well, God makes the small big. And in order to become big, you must become small. But this brings the final point. Jesus is ultimately the means by which the small become big. Some of you are familiar with the Hubble Space Telescope. It was built and uh, launched in 1990 to the tune of 1.5 billion dollars. The concept behind the Hubble Telescope was simply this. Telescopes on the earth have to look through the atmosphere. And so it diffuses our vision. We can't quite see into the nether reaches of space. So what if we could put a telescope out in space where it would not be affected by this diffusion of the atmosphere? That was the Hubble. And so they endeavored to build the telescope of telescopes. The lens itself was 7 feet 10 inches. Never had a mirror been built as big as that. But there was one problem. They got the specs wrong. And so when they deployed this mirror, guess what? It was off by point zero 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 eight six sixth of an inch. Ah! I can see the, the head guy of NASA, Einstein, what did you do? It's a joke, people, relax, okay, jeez. They couldn't see that, but it was flawed. Man's attempt to see where no one had seen before. To look into the heavens had failed. In the same way, we cannot reach God because we are a flawed mirror. By much more than such a small, small micrometer of distance, we cannot see God because we're sinful people. The atmosphere which blocks us from seeing God is our sin, our greed, our anger, our selfishness, our pride, our hatred. All of these things cloud us. Don't allow us to see God. But furthermore, make God so that He will not see us. This sin is a barrier between God and us and us and God. We cannot see Him and He will not see us. In fact, to take my Archer analogy even further with Robin Hood, the very word sin means to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye. See, we are made in the image of God and we're made to image Him perfectly. We're a reflection and yet we are warped by sin because we chose our throne rather than His. And so we are small and invisible to God. Indeed, further, we have His wrath for we have warped His beautiful creation. We need, my friends, a new mirror. I thought to myself, why not just scrap the Hubble, right? Let's try it again. Maybe we'll get it right this time. No, it's far too valuable. Far too much work and sweat and blood and tears has been put into making that thing. We have to fix it. And so the gospel is simply that, that God said, I'm going to fix this. This warped, sinful generation. I'm going to fix being able to see them and them being able to see me. And so he made a promise. A covenant. Mary refers to it in Luke 1.54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. We call this covenant. Back a long time ago, when Abraham received the promise that all nations would be blessed through you. We are the children of Abraham because we are the children of the promise. To fix this broken mirror, astronauts were sent on the most daring mission of all. And the rescue mission that God initiated to fix a broken man was to send another man. One who could reset man. One could replace his heart with stone and bring it to life and make it flesh. His name was Jesus and there He came. But you see our lives were broken and God had to fix them. So in order for man to become big again, Jesus had to become small. In order for man to be fixed, Jesus had to become broken. Jesus had to replace us as sinful people that we might experience the righteousness of God. Remember, he who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, Jesus, through this rescue mission called the cross, took away this barrier of sin between us and him. And suddenly, we could see God as we looked through Jesus Christ. And suddenly, he could see us. Jesus is the lens by which we can view God and He can view us. Christ has magnified us, and so we must magnify Him. There's no other way to see God, by the way. You can go to another religion, to another temple. You can try to rise on the strength of your own accomplishments. You can read books of wisdom. But there is only one way, the God-man. And so, you must acknowledge, like me, that we're broken. We can't see. We're sinners. Jesus, come fix my heart. Come do a radical replacement of who I am. When you look to Jesus, when you take His promise that I will come into your life, though you are small, I will make you big through this lens of my Son. When He sees into your heart and He says, I like this, this is very very good your response like Mary will be this my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has done great things for me and holy is his name when you walk out of here my friends remember this we were not made for ourselves we were all made to magnify something And when you choose to magnify the Lord, all of life will come into focus. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Let's pray. Lord, You have done great things for us who are believers. Lord, You have magnified us. You have stooped down to make us big. Jesus, we thank you for your cross by which you were broken that we might be made whole. This love that would cast out our hatred, this holiness that would destroy our sin. Lord, reach deep into our hearts. I pray for those amongst us right now who have never seen you, Lord, who are not believers, that they would see you for the first time in the grace of Jesus Christ and they would bow their knee and confess you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to examine our hearts and to humble ourselves and to trust in you, Lord. Casting everything to the wind, for you love us and you care for us. We pray all of these things in Christ's name.